Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Because today, I think today is special. It's not just special because it's another Sunday. Uh, this Sunday is actually Pentecost Sunday. Uh, this is the Sunday, if you were to go to the biblical account of, of, uh, of Passover and Jesus going to the cross and dying and rising from the dead, that 50 days after that is when the Holy Spirit showed up awesome. with the followers of Jesus, filled them all with the power of the Holy Spirit, and from that moment, they were able to go out and be Jesus' followers. Amen. They were able to go out and be the church. The church started that day. And I'm telling you, I believe there's something really significant about this time right now mm. in our country. Um, I even remember back to a couple of months ago, right after Easter, and we were talking about and even prophesying about how the tide was going to turn in our nation on this weekend. And we, we're starting to see it all over the places. And in some, not all, we're in Nevada, so for us, not quite yet, but in a lot of places where doors are beginning to open. Businesses are beginning to open. More and more testimonies, healing testimonies, are coming from people who have been battling sicknesses. We're seeing the tide begin to turn. And I'm not going to miss this moment at all to think that, uh, that we're not in a special, divine, prophetic, Holy Spirit moment today all across the country. And so I hope today that as we get into this, that you're taking the time to really let the Holy Spirit show up and let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart. Because here's the deal. Without the Holy Spirit... We don't have a chance. We can't do the things that God has called us to do. So today, as we get into this message, as we get into this, actually a brand new series we're starting today, my prayer, our prayer for you, wherever you are at home, watching this later on YouTube, whatever it is, we're praying that the Holy Spirit would fill you more than he ever has before. If you are a Jesus follower, you may or may not already know this, but the Holy Spirit is already inside of you. And so there's more, just like there was more when the disciples were waiting in the upper room, waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up in baptism form, we're praying that the Holy Spirit would baptize, fully immerse every single Jesus follower so that we can do and we can be exactly what we're supposed to be. Right now, it doesn't take much to look online and see that there's a lot of folks in the church world, maybe not you, but maybe somebody else who is maybe not portraying the light this should be portrayed because we are pointing people towards opinions instead of pointing people towards Jesus. Wow. And so my encouragement, my exhortation for you as we get ready to get into this is to think before you post. Yeah. Because people are looking, people are watching, and we want to do our job as Jesus followers to make sure that when they see us, they are able to see Jesus. That's a huge thing. That's not anywhere on here, George, at all. Okay. Preach it. Preach it. All right, but we're going to get into a new series today, and I'm really excited about this, uh, something I've been praying into for a while. And uh, we're going to be starting a, a kind of a, a book series through the book of Philippians. And Philippians is one of the most amazing, most beautiful books in the New Testament, written by the Apostle Paul. And, uh, and I realize for some people, maybe you're like, oh, book study, that sounds fantastic. No, we're, it will be inspirational. I feel like God's got something really special that he's uh, packed together for this. And I really hope that in the time that we have, uh, we can begin to unpack that. Today's going to be a little more introductory uh, to before we kind of start getting into the chapters. There's four chapters in the book of Philippians. But today I'm really hoping that, that you can receive the gift that God wants to give you. 
And, uh, and I kind of have an advantage. I've been studying this thing. I know what God wants to speak. It's almost like, you know, when someone wants to give you a gift and I already know what it is, but you don't know what it is yet. Maybe it's a tie. Maybe it's a sweater. I don't know. Maybe it's the, uh, the jelly of the month club. You're, you don't know if it's going to be a good gift or not, but, uh, but I know it's going to be good. Like the jelly of the month club. That's fantastic. Um, so here, here it is. I can spell it out in three, three simple letters. J-O-Y. Joy. Joy. That's what God wants to give you. That's the gift that God wants to place in your life as we go through the book of Philippians. Because here's the cool thing. Um, God wants to give you joy, but here's, here's the thing. Joy is durable. Joy is weatherproof. Joy is strong in any season whatsoever. Joy endures any global, national, local, or even internal crisis that the world may endure or you may be going through. And joy knows absolutely no end. And here's the cool thing about when you tap into joy, nobody actually can take it from you. So good. That's a wonderful thing. So I hope you all are taking notes. Uh, that's what we do at Combo Church because yep. we're speaking to your Monday through your Saturday. We're not just talking religious talk. We actually don't do religion. God doesn't want religion. He wants a relationship. Yeah, and I hope that's what we get into uh, today. So, so here's, here's the, the title of the series that we're getting into as we go through Philippians. The title is Joy Anyway. Mm-hmm. Joy Anyway. Somebody say joy anyway. Joy anyway. Can you, can you type joy anyway? How fast can you type? I don't even know. That's okay. But joy anyway, that's the, that's the title of the series that we're getting into today. And specifically today, the title of this message is Purpose Within Prison. Ooh, Purpose on, Within Prison. Because here's the cool thing about joy. Whether you have a great day, joy anyway. Mm. If you're having a bad day, yeah, joy anyway. If you on. got a job, joy anyway. If you don't have a job, joy anyway. If you are free, joy anyway. And if you find yourself in prison, joy anyway, which may be a strange thing to say in that transition, but that's the whole point of what we see when we open up the book of Philippians. We see the apostle Paul who is in prison. He's in prison and he's writing a letter about joy. (laughs) It's crazy to think about. It's the primary theme of the book of Philippians. And uh, we'll, in just a second, we'll get into even what got Paul to where he is in prison and still writing about joy. But I want to give you this one verse, this one really quick, simple verse that will actually be the, the primary theme for this series going through. And it comes from Philippians chapter four, verse four. And I know we haven't gotten into chapter one yet, but that's OK. Philippians chapter four, verse four. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord couple of key connections here. Always, that kind of paints a picture of when you should be joyful. Always be full of joy. And how can you be full of joy? In the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. That's amazing. Joy will sustain you when happiness can't keep you. Joy will sustain you when happiness can't keep you. So as we get into this, I, I know, for example, when I think of joy, when I think of happiness, and even in our own culture in our own language a lot of times we use those two terms as the same word Mm. and they're interchangeable in how we particularly use them but the the reality is they are two very very different words so i want to make sure we kind of kind of address which is which so happiness is an emotion when good things happen to us our brain releases endorphins into our brain chemical that makes us feel good we feel good because the good things are happening to us. Mm -hmm. When bad things happen or when the good things leave, so leaves the happiness with it. 
because happiness is contingent on what happens. Good, right. That's how that works. But joy, on the other hand, is a fruit produced by the Holy Spirit. Come on. You may even be able to argue that without knowing and having a relationship with God and without the Holy Spirit being at work within you, joy is actually intangible. You can't get it. You have to rely on happiness to be happy. You have to rely on the things and the circumstances around you to dictate whether you're going to be in a good mood, enjoy life, be happy, or be struggling with the, the adverse circumstances that you may be experiencing in life. It says it right here in the Bible in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, there it is, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we need to make sure that as we go through this series in Philippians, as we're listening to what Paul is talking about, as we learn what joy is and how to get it going in our life, that we don't confuse it with happiness. Good. Happiness is circumstantial. Yeah. Joy is not. Good. Which is cool because we all know in life there are going to be the good days, there are going to be the bad days. Right. There's going to be the stuff that we love and enjoy. There's going to be the stuff we want to remember forever. And then there's going to be the things that we want to forget. Yep. The things that we don't want to continue to live in. Happiness will come and go, but joy can stay through it all. So let's go back real quick to, to Paul for a minute. And uh, the Apostle Paul the individual that the Holy Spirit inspired to write this letter to the church in Philippi. To get the most out of this, I think it's important for us to understand this particular context about Paul. Um, as I said before, he's writing this from prison, not a metaphorical prison, not a spiritual prison, not a mental prison, but an actual prison in Rome. He was in Rome. And the reason why he was in Rome is because his own, uh, his own people in Jerusalem were trying to execute him for preaching the good news about wow. Jesus. Wow. So if you go back to the book of Acts, you can read how that went down, but it went down pretty crazy and things were not looking good for Paul. But the cool thing is, is that Paul also had full citizenship as a Roman citizen. Wow. And so instead of him trying to fight it out with, with the Jewish leaders, he decided to appeal to Caesar, which he had the right to do. And he did so, and that took him to Rome where supposedly he was supposed to be heard by Caesar. His case was supposed to be heard. Well, we actually, uh, we don't believe that he ever actually did get to speak to Caesar. Uh, emperor Tiberius, if you're a history person, was the emperor during this particular time. And we have no, uh, no record that he was actually able to communicate with the emperor. We actually learn later, most historians agree, that there was actually the next emperor of Rome, which was Nero, which was the one who was responsible for putting Paul to death and executing him. And so you're like, wow, that doesn't sound like a whole lot of uh, things to be joyful about, right? You're, you're being betrayed by your own people. They're trying to kill you for spreading good news. So you go to those who you have a citizenship with, and they reject you. They throw you in prison. They don't hear you out. You know, the cool thing is, actually, Paul would probably say it's not cool. But the, the thing that Paul was dealing with is that as a Roman citizen, you could not be imprisoned falsely. Wow. And so Paul is experiencing things very similar to what Jesus experienced in his betrayal, in his arrest, in his persecution, in his crucifixion. Hmm. Everything was unlawful. Everything was against him. If he had a constitution, it was violated. Hmm. If he had rights, they were taken wow, away from him. And it's not because he did anything to have them taken away. It's simply because... 
he decided that he was going to be who Jesus called him to be. He was going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit the way that God told him and showed him to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was going to take the message to whomever would hear it, and it ended up costing him his life. I find it so interesting that Paul, not once in any of the letters that he wrote to any of the churches that he planted, not once do you hear Paul talking about how he was being traded civilly or unfairly from civil authorities. You never hear Paul talking about how he's going to take back his rights so that he can continue to do what God's called him to do. Paul knew something that the American church needs to learn. And that's that we don't need to be given rights to do what God's called us to do. Nobody can stop us from doing the things that God has called us to do. Whether it's in person or whether it's not in person, we cannot be stopped. There are actually those who don't even believe in God, who have created the tools that we're using now so that the gospel continue to go forth. I pray that we will continue to connect to that same spirit and that same heart that Paul had as he sat in a jail cell writing to the Philippians about joy. And that's where we are today. So Paul's in prison without cause. He's doing his thing. And I can just, for whatever reason, I, I visualize Paul sitting in a prison cell with a big smile on his face. He was not pumped about being in prison. I don't think he enjoyed it. There, there's bad things that happen in prison. You know, there's not a whole lot of good that comes out of somebody being in prison. But Paul had joy. And because he had joy, it was not taken, because he had joy in Christ, it was not taken away by the circumstances that he was facing and what was around him. And here we go again. His circumstances didn't steal the joy because his source was in his Savior. His source was in his Savior. Here we go again, talking about the source. We've been kind of hitting this for the last two or three weeks, whether it's been talking about hope, whether it's been talking about patience, whatever it's been, we've been talking about how it has to come from the source of Jesus Christ. Because absolutely every other source that is going to be inside of us that is not Christ is going to come and go based on circumstances. Jesus is the absolute only one who is going to be that constant for us that does not shake. The the author of Hebrews says that Jesus is the anchor to our soul. Now, our soul is our mind and our will and our emotions. I don't know about you, but my mind and my will and my emotions are not an anchor. They are all over the place, depending on the day, right? And depending on what I'm going through. So it's good to know that I can wrap my arms around the anchor of Christ and that he will ground who I am so that I can be who he's called me to be, live the life that he has called me to live, have faith for what I don't see and trust him for everything else. Jesus is a faithful source. Our source determines our flow. So much like we talked about, uh, I think it was a few weeks ago, the, the well If we tap into a reliable source with a well, then we don't have to have any fear of not having water. Mm -hmm. Drought or rain, we're going to have water. It's the same thing with Christ. If we are tapping into Christ, then we don't have to try to produce joy ourselves. When Jesus followers try to produce joy on their own, it looks looks really weird. (laughs) It's terrible. Actually, I'm saying that because I've tried to do that before. I've tried to be like man, I'm in a bad mood. I'm supposed to be a Jesus follower. I need joy. And so you're like, you start making faces, you start acting weird, you start saying stuff that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. 
But the cool thing is, is that when we are, when our joy is grounded in Christ, we don't have to be religious to have joy. We don't have to live in condemnation when we're not happy. Mm. You can have joy and not be happy. Mm. I want to give somebody permission who's watching right now, who has struggled with happiness. You've struggled with depression. You've struggled with mental illness and you've tried to deal with it and it's not been going well. I want to give you permission. It's okay to not be happy. It's okay to not be okay. Joy is not the absence of crazy stuff in your life. It's the presence of Jesus in the midst of the crazy stuff in your life. So just know, hey, it's going to be okay. Whoever needs to hear that, it's absolutely going to be okay. Someone needs to hear this right now. Paul's reality was prison, but prison couldn't steal Paul's joy. Because here's the deal. Paul found purpose within his prison. Paul found purpose within his prison. Come on, you may feel like you're in prison right now in this season. You may feel like everything around you is trying to box you in, hold you in, tell you what you can do, tell you what you can't do. You're stuck at home. Mom is at home with multiple kids. You're going crazy trying to do your best. Dad's out there trying to work, trying to help, trying to make things happen. And I know right now for a lot of people, maybe you even feel like you're in prison. But listen, don't let prison steal your joy. Because Paul allowed his prison to be the thing that unlocked his purpose. Sometimes God has to arrest you in order to direct you. Can you imagine like if Paul didn't go to prison, he would not have had necessarily the free time that he had to write what is for us now almost two thirds of the New Testament. The theology, the encouragement, the the way to handle community in the word of God and in the kingdom of God. All these things that help us grow as Jesus followers and know what we believe and know what what direction we should walk. Man, we we wouldn't necessarily know these things if God had not arrested Paul and placed him somewhere where his purpose could be absolutely unlocked. Most people are fighting this season right now that we've been in since February and, and maybe even for some a little bit earlier than that. But man, I believe right now, I believe that God is redirecting you. I think he's redirecting the church. I believe he's getting hold of our focus. It's not that we were off doing bad things, but sometimes you can kind of have that squirrel syndrome, right? Where it's like squirrel and, and you get taken off focus and then you try to come back and boom, you get taken off focus. And hey, let's do this or let's do that. And what Jesus is trying to do, I believe, in the church right now is he's trying to get our attention so that we will put our eyes back on him and stop telling God, hey, God, thank you so much for getting us to this point. We've got it figured out now. So we're going to go do our thing. No, Jesus wants to bring us back to a place of focus. Mm. He wants our eyes back on him. He wants our message to be him again. Yeah. And he wants our heart to be what his heart was. So good. Yes. And that's something that has got to happen in the church. If America is going to wake up to be what we have the potential to be. But if we're going to continue to be distracted by issues and distracted by opinions and distracted by things that have nothing to do with the word of God and have nothing to do with being a Jesus follower, then God's going to continue to shake until he gets your attention and until he gets our attention. There are distractions in prison. Like we mentioned before, there's there's mistreatment, there's abuse, there's neglect, isolation, rejection, punishment. I mean, you know, you, you don't. Don't let the distraction 
of prison keep you from the power of your purpose? We, we see reports all over the, so unfortunate reports all over the place right now where there's uh, domestic abuse is up. Uh, crime is up. Violence is up. Uh, alcoholism is up. Child abuse is up. Rape is up. Like all these other statistics that we're trying to work on one curve, and it's great, we should, but the, the collateral damage, we are seeing things happening all over the place. Suicide is up. And I, mean, I, hope, I hope by the grace of God that for those that are watching today, that, that we can understand that even though we may feel like we're, we are being pushed into a, into a season that we didn't choose and that we don't like and that we feel like is restricting us, there's actually purpose within it. Not within the abuse, not within the, the neglect, not within the negative things, but sometimes God needs to slow us down and shut us down a little bit so that he can get us redirected in doing the things that he has called us to do. You can focus on what you put your hands to. You can focus on what you put your hands to. And the reason I say that is because it's, um, I got a, one of my oldest children now is driving. That's terrifying. All the parents out there, you understand when, you're, when your first child begins to drive, it is a terrifying thing to experience. And so, uh, you know, we, I was always focused with my, with my oldest son on making sure he had his hands on the wheel and his eyes focused where he was going. Because when his hands were on what he was doing, it would keep him focused on what he was doing. Instead of, you know, driving with one arm, looking out, looking at the other cars, looking at the squirrel, looking at the sunset. You know, it's like, no, focus on where you are. Keep your hands to where you are. And so I think one of the reasons for Paul that he was able to be so successful in prison and keep his focus like he kept it, was able to live within the real context of joy that is found in Christ is because he didn't let prison distract him from what he knew God had asked him to do. He focused on it. And and what we'll get to later, not in this message, but later in the series, is the reason that he's writing this letter to the Philippians to talk about joy is because he's thanking them for sending him a gift to sustain him while he was in prison. And so he could have been focused on those that didn't remember him and those that forgot about him and those that left him, but he had joy in remembering those that were loving him those that were still there for him. And because of that, he was able to keep himself engaged in the purpose. What he puts his hands to is what he will stay focused on within his purpose. I know some people, um, like we struggle with this thought about like, what's my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? When I grow up, what am I going to be? What's my purpose? And we always tend to, for whatever reason, connect our purpose to our profession. Mm -hmm. But your profession is not your purpose. Your profession is simply the the tool and the arena where God is placing you so that your purpose as a Jesus follower can be fulfilled to the people that God has put you around. So whether you are a doctor, a lawyer, a politician, a teacher, a construction worker, musician, a barista, doesn't matter who you are or what you do, a mom, a dad, that is not your purpose. It's something that God is using and putting in your life to connect to your purpose. So your purpose, if you're a mom, is to be a Jesus follower to your kids. As a father, to love your kids, love your spouse, be a Jesus follower to them. In whatever office, whatever field, whatever profession, let God use you to be a light in that arena and you will find your purpose. So we can keep going. I want to kind of wrap it up today. I want to leave you hanging a little bit because hopefully it'll bring you back for what we're going to get into next week. Uh, But I just want to recap a little bit and you can write these things down or you can listen to it later. Uh, The first thing, joy is not circumstantial. 
Joy is not circumstantial. It's grounded in Christ. Joy is found in Christ. Joy is found in Christ. Number three. That was number two, by the way. I know some note takers are going to freak out if I don't say number two. Number two is joy is found in Christ. <laughs> number three, joy is a fruit in our life produced by the Holy Spirit. Number four, joy overrides circumstances when our hands are to our purpose. Which one? Number three? Yeah. Number three. If I'm going to ask you to take notes, I need to be nice in how I talk so that you can take notes. Number three, joy is a fruit in our life produced by the Holy Spirit. Now to number four. Joy overrides circumstance when our hands are to our purpose. Joy overrides circumstance when our hands are to our purpose. And then lastly, joy produces a rejoicing spirit. Joy produces a rejoicing spirit. One last verse right here just for that particular point. Psalm 28, verse 7. It says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me. And my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. The, the, the thing about happiness is that sometimes our happiness is so quick and it comes and goes so fast that we don't even think about rejoicing. It doesn't produce rejoicing. It produces a feeling. But when we live in joy, when the joy comes from the Lord, and we know that the Lord is going to take care of us no matter whether we're in prison or whether we're free, no matter if things are going great or whether things are going terrible. Yeah. And God's going to be there, and that gives us reason to celebrate. Yeah. It gives us reason to sing. It gives us reasons yeah. to rejoice. It gives us reasons to have thanksgiving in our hearts and in our spirit. We can be joy-filled people that have the song of the Lord on our hearts on. because we know where the joy is coming from. Yeah. It's a gift. It's fruit from the very Spirit of God. So let me pray for you, and that will wrap things up today. And um, Gosh, I'm just believing that God wants to do something special for you yeah. right now. And I, and I hope that you'll hang on with us these next few minutes as we're together. And even afterwards, as our, our team gives you a few more pieces of information, just hang, hang on with us. But let's pray right now. And I'm going to pray right, or believe that right where you are, that the Holy Spirit wants to encounter you. On this Pentecost Sunday, the very day, the very moment when the Holy Spirit started the church, baptized all of the Jesus followers who were there together, and sent them out on mission with good news. The good, Jesus is good news. Christianity should be good news. Who we are, what we do, what we say should be good news to those who hear it. And so I'm praying today that as you're at, you're at home right now, watching from, I guess, well, from wherever you are, that you would allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you in the same way that the Holy Spirit came upon the Jesus followers when the church first started. And so this is what I'm going to ask you to do right where you are. I just want to have him um, take one hand, put your hand on your heart, and then take another hand and kind of like, like somebody's going to put something in your hand. And, and I, don't know if you, I don't know if this feels weird to you where you are. That's okay. Just let this be between you and God. And I want to pray for you. And I'm believing right now that, that whatever you've been struggling with, the things that have been battling in your heart and in your mind that have kept you from experiencing the joy of the Lord, something's going to, tra something's going to change and transform in you 
today. And I believe it's supernatural. I believe it's real. It's not spiritual hype. Come on, God is good. And he's going to see this happen in you. Jesus, we thank you right now for your faithfulness and for your love. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we pray right now, just as you fell upon the early church, God, I pray today, Lord God, that with men and women who are watching, with children, with teenagers, young adults, and older, Father, as they watch right now, those that have been baptized with your Holy Spirit before, or those who have not, I pray right now that you would invade their homes, that you would invade their cars by your love and by your grace, that you would come and arrest them with your Holy Spirit, that you would come not just into them, but that you would fully baptize them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with your supernatural power like you did the early church so that they would have the ability to go and be a bold witness to the world around them. We thank you, God, that your word tells us that when we ask, we will receive. And for those who ask for the Holy Spirit to baptize them right now in their homes, Father, I pray that you would honor that, Lord, that you would come upon them right now, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, and that you would do the supernatural things that need to be done in their life. God, we pray that you would fill them with joy, joy that overflows, joy that is not circumstantial, joy that doesn't come and go, whether it's a good day or a bad day, not fake joy, but something that is real inside of them, God, because they realize who you are and what you're doing inside their life. I pray, God, today that the, the attacks of the enemy that come against individuals in their, in their mind and in their spirit, Lord, that you would rise up against that. Lord, that that joy would bubble out of them that would take victory over the negativity and the doubt and the thoughts of the enemy. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.